AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement. Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252, AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling. Contact them today. It's a family-run business. AJ Drywall Plaster Home Improvements. Call for a free quote. What a difference they'll make in your home, your ceilings, floors, basements. 401-323-9252. What a difference. Beautiful walls and ceilings. 401-323-9252. You can also find them on Facebook. It's AJ Drywall Plaster and home improvements for your home or business. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Folks, I just want to thank everyone who's been so kind and gracious and reaching out during this time. I'm going through a period of recovery now. Again, the uh, cancer surgery was last week. By all accounts, we believe it was successful. Um, now in recovery mode. But just very, very gracious uh, how wonderful everyone has been, kind, and thinking of me and reaching out. And as things go along, I'm going to talk more about uh, the power of prayer and how I believe it comes into play. I think a lot of times um, people view it one way when I, I really, it's incredible how powerful it is how it can work and I think I can give at least my insight to how I think it comes into play when people talk about that they want to offer someone or that they're keeping people in their prayers. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Well, the problems for Governor McKee continue and so much of it is self-inflicted. And when we're talking about the bridge, um, that first Monday night, something that I think just can't be denied, and it, it's it's got to be the governor, as much as someone might say maybe it's his staff, but his instincts, it's one thing not to have good instincts, but the instincts of those around him seemingly are not helping either. It, it's... It's tough to pinpoint, but it comes back to him because either way, he he makes poor decisions and then he gets angry and upset as people call him out for his poor, poor decisions. So as we know, the night that they had to close the bridge, he sent out the director of DOT, Peter Elvedi, and... Governor McKee seemingly went home. And then later, you know, they tried to put out that he was always oh, working on the phone till 11 o'clock. But that clearly wasn't the right move. He should have been front and center. He sent Peter Alvedi, DOT director, live on, on the news at 5 o'clock alone. That, that's not leadership. And now we've learned, online reporting have discovered that on Tuesday, so that was Monday night, Tuesday night, with everything going on, and Tuesday was a complete catastrophe. People stuck two to three hours in traffic on Tuesday night. Monday night, he went home, didn't um, send Peter Alvedi out alone. Tuesday night, Governor McKee went to a fundraiser for DOT Chief of Staff John Igliosi, who's going to be running for Attorney General in 2026 when Peter Narona's term is up. So, uh, again, totally tone deaf. You and people in the East Bay still stuck in traffic. Number one, this doesn't bode well for either one of them. Let's start with Igliosi. Did, does he think anyone in the East Bay would vote for him 
after pulling a stunt like that, you still have your fundraiser? I mean, that is completely tone deaf. But for Governor McKee to what stop off on his way home, now granted it was held in North Providence, but and I'm sure he felt, oh, well, you know, it's right on the way. And I'll stop there in North Providence on my way home and go up 146 to Cumberland. You know, Governor McKee trying to play off like, you know, the rest of the state's operating fine. But I I don't blame people like that. You, you don't, not only should Igliosi not be having the fundraiser, Governor McKee shouldn't, should not be attending the fundraiser. I don't think he understands what emergency means. Emergency means all of your efforts, all of your waking moments are going into trying to work on and improve the emergency. And Governor McKee said, all hands on deck. Well, all hands on deck is not going to, like of all things, it wasn't like it was a week. A political fundraiser. It just now he's going to be upset that the media found out about it. Now he's going to lash out at the media because they found out about it. He he at this point, Governor McKee, as far as he has gotten, he does not have good political instincts. I mean that like of all things to go to, you stop off. And, and Igliosi, you're, you're DOT chief of staff. What are you doing there anyway? But for the governor, he should have said, listen, you need to cancel it or postpone it. Just postpone it. Um, Igliosi should not have been there, but Governor McKee definitely shouldn't have been there. But he's going to be in a foul mood, and the media has every right to call him out on it. But this, that is not all hands on deck. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus. Call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations you can always depend on Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling. Call them today, 401 885 4209. Three generations, they're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they're going to serve you for a very long time. They have a great user-friendly website. You just log on at propaneplus.com, and then you type in your zip code, residential, commercial, propane plus, heating and cooling, always there for you. Give them a call today in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508-252. 3359 the johnson family three generations heating and cooling you can always depend on propane plus you're listening to the john DePietro show all right folks let's go to some of the sound one of the last press briefings now update regarding the washington bridge you're going to hear governor mckee in dot director peter alvidi let's hear some of this they knew that this bypass thing were going to be ready by this morning. However, yesterday you said that you'd give us those updates. Why wasn't that done? I did give you updates. Have that you, the plane would be open today? Well, we weren't. We, unless I'm 100% sure, I'm going by the information that is coming into us. There are a number of other factors that people on the ground don't even know about that can cause delays. Um, so the information that we got out that we actually did this in, in what, three days' time, uh, came on an ongoing basis. We made the press aware of that yesterday. We said, looking like Saturday, could be sometime on Friday. And uh, they did a great job, and we got it done on Friday. And what do you say to those that say that it wasn't announced because, you know, you were trying to make it seem or appear as a... No, no. We need to give people realistic expectations of what we can deliver, what we are 100% sure we can deliver. We do that and we deliver. We go Pat and then Chris. Uh, Governor McKee. 
When you look back on decades of emergency bridge response, and I'm talking about the Miami River Bridge in Connecticut, the Bridge in Minnesota, the Bridge in Philadelphia, you've had a whole host of different federal responses. I believe the Bush administration may even have declared a federal disaster in the case of the Minnesota Bridge. The state of Rhode Island has always been very provocative about emergency aid and very much on top of the situation. What is the current thinking right now about seeking aid either to businesses or DOT post-SBA? So, again, we're not going to leave any outside resources untouched. If we're qualified for them, we'll be applying for them. If it requires a declaration like I signed yesterday for the SBA signature, and we streamline and fast-track that through. So we're continually in conversation with our congressional delegation, continuously in conversation with President Biden's cabinet. So if we identify things that we actually can qualify for, we're going to go for it. I think that I've had a record that's pretty strong in making sure that we make sure that we get federal aid, whether it was to housing assistance, that we get every dollar out of the $200 million, never give any money back that we're qualified for. This would be the same situation. And Secretary Buttigieg, has he weighed in at all on this situation? Yeah, I think that we've been informed that we're not qualifying for a disaster type of funding from that department. But we also are in constant conversation about what we might be able to recover. We'll maximize every opportunity. And, again, we have a congressional delegation that was on the call yesterday, the day before, and today to make sure that they're connected in. They've sent letters to the appropriate parties. The people in the state of Rhode Island should really feel confident that if there is any relief, we will find it. Chris Bentop. Director Albini, regarding the ferry service, what's kind of the time estimate from Bristol to get to Providence, and what's going to be the cost of it to run the service? The time that it's going to take to run is about 30 minutes. The ferries will be leaving the docks in both directions every 30 minutes. So there will be 30-minute timing to the next ferry. If you miss one, get the next one. They'll run continuously from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. And the shuttle services will be in place to bring people from the ferry in Providence to Kennedy Plaza and Amtrak, and in Bristol from Cold State Park parking lots to the ferry and back and forth on both ends. With regard to the cost, I'll have to get that information, and we'll report it out to you. And the timeline for your voice getting better? Well, the doc says take the full doses of steroids for the next couple of days, and over the weekend, if it's still there, hit it with a Z-pack. So he gave me backup. Thanks for your concern. Question on the bridge rides. Were repairing them or replacing them ever part of the bridge work, overall bridge work? And is there any chance that some of the bridge work already done contributed to those rods breaking? So to answer the second question first, we don't have any reason to believe that that is the case, that the construction impacted them, although we will be looking at the various reasons. As the governor said, you know, there's a time to do all of that. We'll be looking at the various reasons and causes that could have contributed to their sudden failure the way that they did. With regard to when it was scheduled, it was scheduled for a future project, and we were moving across that bridge to make repairs in accordance with the condition of the bridge or each of the spans and with several hundred other bridges in the state that we have that are structurally deficient. But I'm not sure what the timing of that would have been. Just to be clear, the rods themselves were part of that future plan? No, well, the rods, the entire structure was part of that plan, including the cantilever, the rods, and everything else that's associated with it. By the way, we have those plans up. If you look on our website, there's a 10-year plan with several hundred over the next 10 years, bridge projects all coordinated. And one of the factors in our evaluation as to when each one gets programmed is what the condition of them are during that time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Director, with the uh, times are getting more or less back to normal now with the two bypass lanes open, do, do you still see a need for that ferry service that you launch in the next week? Is, uh, is there any uh, concept of how many people are going to be accessed? Okay. So we're, um, we don't have estimates of that. We're putting it in place. Uh, we're in a belts and suspenders mode right now. We want to offer various options of travel, multimodal travel to people in the state. So we're going to put it into effect. And as we, as I said, we're going to be doing with the various detours for vehicles, we will be monitoring the use and the passenger rates at the facility, and we'll meter it forward or back according to what kind of usage we get. And there's no charge to get on that. Right? We're not going to charge uh, anything for that ride. Right. Uh, Director, kind of to Alex's question about the timeline with the bypass opening. I know you said yesterday that the original estimate of two to three weeks was based on typical standard standards about doing this kind of thing. But you've also said it was an all hands on deck effort. So right. was it not all hands on deck first, or is this a situation that you overestimate, and when it turns out you can do it in a shorter time, it no. looks better? We we always do things on the basis of the data that we have available to us each day. And here we went three days, and the data changed on each of those days, and we reported out on each of those days, as the data changed, what our new expectation was, right? So um, on the first day, we get the estimates from the contract that's doing it in terms of what they think it's going to cost and what it's going to, uh, what it's going to entail. We have put in place a project management process here at DOT that on projects like that where we get initial estimates or initial bids our folks are trained and it's a culture here to continuously put pressure on those original estimates both schedule and cost to improve them uh, whether it be the first day the second day the second week the second month the second year of a project the third year of a project they're always looking for ways to accelerate both time and reduce cost every day that they're on the project that's what happened here. On first day, we got the estimate from the contractor. We then went back to them after reviewing it on the second day and said, well, uh, you're, you're showing us that this estimate is based on working day work. We want you to put on 24-7 rotation of crews working on this. It's important for us to get it done. The, um, the uh, ordering of materials and the design of it Instead of doing, getting a, waiting for your consultant to design it and then building it, I want you to get started on the demolition while the design is being done for the remedy. That way, when you get done with the remedy, you already have the design and you immediately move into construction. That saves some more time. And then, of course, um, the, we asked them to bring in, once, once we went through those and saw how we could accelerate it, on day two or three, we asked them to move in resources from other projects that they were doing nearby to additionally support this and materials that would additionally support this to get it done even faster. So as we went through it, every day, every minute, every second, we were looking for ways for them to accelerate the, the time to do that. All right, Go Governor, if I could just follow up on the communications piece from Ms. Silvera about crisis yeah. communications. Um, despite uh, what you've insisted and shown evidence that you say backs up the point that this couldn't have been realized sooner. Um, and despite um, nobody being hurt, and there's been really no argument that the bridge should have been closed, there are still critics who say that there's too much congratulating and celebrating over that fact. Um, and despite your change in tone yesterday about welcoming oversight from your response to me two days ago, including saying that the people you're talking to are pleased with what's happening. Um, did you misjudge the scale of this or the tone? Is there anything that you would do differently at this point? Well, first of all, yesterday wasn't the first day that I said that I welcome oversight. And if you go back to the tape, you can see that we expect that to happen, but we expect to be focused on the emergency at hand and not get distracted uh, by uh, the, the, you know, the, the cynic and critic out there. So. What we're doing is, and, I, and one of the things that I did talk to governors, governor of Pennsylvania, he said one of his uh, suggestions was to make sure that you put pressure every day professionally on the people who are doing the work. 
uh, that's what we did. I think that's what helps accelerate the process. So, no, I think that, uh, you know, uh, you're going to have the cynics and critics that are going to be out there just second-guessing, second-guessing. We certainly will get into the oversight uh, issues, working with the General Assembly on, as I said. And then we'll, we'll you know, certainly uh, provide whatever information that comes from them. I think the people are pleased right now, the people I've talked to, and I've been out and about, uh, and I think that uh, Mayor De Silva said it well. Uh, the circumstances are significantly better. Uh, at the point when I said that people were pleased, we were making progress. And uh, I believe that now the next step is the economy, and we're going to work with the small businesses uh, in the state of Rhode Island. Last question, Ray. Right, so two-part question. Hey, any safeguard in place for a small business? All right, folks, we're going to pause it there. But that is the latest. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn. 226 Coesed Avenue, West Warwick. Delicious food and drink. They have a great bar area. Always a dependable menu. Whether you're going to eat there or take out, a delicious meal is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Look for them online. You can also find them on Facebook. Whether it's lunch, dinner, or drinks in the lounge, always a good time at the Coesed Inn. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. Well, the Massachusetts Department of Environmental Protection, they're trying to do this massive regulatory effort. And joining us right now to discuss it, folks, you hear me mention them. It is Tim Johnson from Propane Plus. Tim, um, I want to just start off with, if people don't take action, that the Mass Department, of they're about to enact this without include with without including propane and really overstepping their bounds yeah that, that's a true statement i would think um a lot of us don't believe that the dep has the authority to even make this regulation and the problem with me and our regulation is is that it's not a it's not a law it's, it's a regulation so lawmakers make laws and regulators make regulations well lawmakers are voted in by the constituents dep is appointed people so you don't have a lot of uh you can call your congressmen and your representatives but they don't have a lot of say over that you know i, I believe the governor may have a little bit but they're kind of their own entity so that creates a lot of problems and it's a uh, it's kind of a beta test for new england because if it works a lot of other states are going to follow because this is a pretty big money grab for the states to, um, you know, take take your money basically and give it to other people to electrify their homes, which isn't exactly fair. Wow, um, can you touch it? Where, where did this come from, Tim? And how how has it even reached this this stage? Well, um, I'm not exactly sure of the dates. Um, I'm more privy to exactly what's going on now. But what had happened was during the Baker administration, actually, they set some standards that the state of Massachusetts would have to meet by, I'm not exactly sure of the date, but we want to be carbon neutral, I guess. Uh, I think it's 2050 is the deadline. Yep. So in order to do that, in their mindset is they need to electrify every home in the state of Massachusetts. And in order to do that, they need to get some money. So what they're going to do is the natural gas, propane companies, and oil companies will basically assess a fee to the, their current customer base so that the state can take that money and invest it and give it to other people to basically put heat, electric heat pumps in their homes, which they say will be much cleaner than gas and oil. Um, and there's an all-out assault on all of this stuff and there's a lot of renewables coming out and um you know it's just it's it really should be an all of the above approach but they want to electrify everything and they're forgetting that the electricity is made from natural gas and oil and coal and hydropower isn't all that clean either um they keep touting how clean that is but i'm reading a book called the arctic blue deserts by stephen i think it's kasperzak and he's an environmentalist who says that these um, reservoirs are actually causing the Arctic to warm. 
Wow. And it was quite interesting. And this is a very liberal guy. And he's been shut down by the government because the Canadians and the Russians have mega reservoirs up there. And when they release the water, it's about it's making the um, northern oceans about 10 degrees warmer wow. because it's able to absorb the heat in the summertime. And they release it actually in the wintertime. So what's happening is that uh, less food nutrients are getting to the fish out in George's Bank. And um, that's why we have the fish depletion that they're talking about. It's not overfishing. It's that there's not enough food for them to eat anymore because of these dams. So everything has an effect on everything. It's just that what's the flavor of the week? Folks, we're speaking to Tim Johnson again, Propane Plus, Massachusetts Department Environmental Protection they're the ones that are trying to implement this new clean heat standard policy. Tim, you mentioned uh, Governor Healy. We, we, we're, uh, where does she stand in all of this? Well, actually, a friend of mine, Sue Cerner, and myself actually uh, had dinner with her one night. And she understands that, um, you know, you're not going to get rid of gas and oil and um, propane overnight. And we need to go to a cleaner economy. Energy uh, economy, I guess, and we're trying to explain to her that you know, uh, well, she she's open to uh, compromise, but it you know she has doesn't have a ton of sway over DEP, and, and she does, and I explain to her that we're all on the same page. I mean, we, we don't um, or the same team. We're not trying to, um, you know, we don't want dirty water, we don't want dirty air, and right now the air is way cleaner than it's ever been in our history in, in this part of the state for sure and you go outside i mean the air is clean it's not like there's i think wood stove is probably the biggest polluter out there right and um you don't see that much anymore and um really eight percent of the commonwealth of mass Massachusetts, um actually use propane so we're not this huge conglomerate thing you know we're kind of more in the suburbs and where natural gas is not yet we're way cleaner than natural gas. You know, we get lumped into the same category, but we're not. We're we're actually 73% made up of hydrogen, and we have zero methane, and we're a byproduct on top of that. So we're a renewable from day one, but they don't want to consider it. I mean, we're just a, you know, like the gas and a butane lighter, and they just burn it off while they decided they could use it for heating your home, and seems to work quite well. And so we're going to get penalized, um, probably even the oil guys. It's, it's about a, a dollar a gallon surcharge, the rest of many at this point, and it could go more. And, um, you know, it's just kind of like they're making us buy the rope and hang ourselves is really what it is. And, um, you know, 60% of all electricity, there's a loss of it from the where it's produced to your home. You lose 60% of it. Wow. So that's not factored into it. Because if you ever hear those lines crackling in the summertime, you know, in the power lines, well, that's because the power isn't all in the water. You're losing energy as as it goes down the lines. And they don't, they're not really being fair about it. And it, it's actually um, not a good program. The intentions are good. The people all have good intentions. But to think that, you know, penalizing propane and biofuels and that type of thing is not, uh, it's definitely not the answer. Um, it really isn't because basically they're going to make us buy credits for all the gas that comes in and then we'll be able to get credits if we convert your house to electricity. And um, it's a really complicated process. And these people called aggregators are the people who are going to actually make the money because it's so complicated. You have to hire someone to figure out, you know, what credits you got and how to buy them and sell them. And it's just a whole other thing you really shouldn't even have to do. Tim Johnson, if people are listening right now, especially it's obviously Massachusetts residents, when they contact their rep uh, and folks, you need to contact your rep, should they basically just say, a decision of this magnitude should not be decided by mass DEP. Yeah. You know what, John, it actually should be decided in the legislation okay. legislators. Okay. It really should. And that's probably our biggest bone of contention is that, you know, we don't have a say in it because they're just appointed people. Sure. And 
and our politicians, you know, you, you tell them, and they said, well, there's not much we can do about it. You know, we don't run DEP. Right. But we're still outreaching to them and, you know, trying to get them to understand that the constituents are the ones who are going to be paying the bill for this deal. Yep. So that's really where it stands right now. It is something seemingly should be picked up by the legislature. So, folks, if you're listening, you want to contact your Massachusetts state rep and tell them when it comes to the new clean heat standard, it should, in fact, be decided by the legislature. Tim, is there a website or any way that people could learn more about this? Um, yeah, you could actually even go to our website, propaneplus.com. We have a banner. You can click right on it. And if you go to that, um, if you put in your zip code, it'll actually take you right to your legislator of okay. your area. Great. Folks, again, go. It's propaneplus.com. I'll talk more about it. He is Tim Johnson of Propane Plus. Folks, again, you want to contact your state rep and tell them you don't want this decided by the Mass DEP. Tim, great job as always. We're going to continue to stay on the story, and we'll talk to you again. All right. I appreciate it, John. When it comes to insurance, you need a neighbor, a partner, and friend. You need Chapa Insurance Agency. They're located right on Reservoir Avenue in Cranston. Call today, free consultation, 401 900 INSU 401-900-4678 SHAPA Insurance SIA Stephen very experienced whether it's auto home renters business insurance flood recreational umbrella any other protection for your assets Rhode Island of Massachusetts SHAPA Insurance Agency your agency of choice call today set up a meeting they're so knowledgeable can have everything under one roof call shoppa insurance today 401 900 insu or 401 900 4678 look for them on facebook again located reservoir avenue in cranston shoppa insurance agency your neighbor your partner your friend one-stop insurance solutions Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, he is our legal expert, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. It is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, I'd like to um, start off with this uh, continuing situation regarding Attorney General Peter Narona. Um, he had COVID or COVID symptoms. He was not in court. But uh, it seems that Judge Procassini uh, has, has now gone into a different direction with this whole thing. Yeah, the saga continues. Um, as your listeners know, this all emanates from Judge Proc. I believe it all emanates, and I think Judge Procassini believes it emanates from his decision to find um, the dentist not guilty in that Barrington case where there was allegations of a potential hate crime. Um, Judge Procassini heard the case sitting without a jury found that the um the neighbor who i believe was iranian um was the one with a weapon i think he had a hammer and words might have been said there was an assault and um the judge found that uh, the dentist did not commit an assault finding that there was no assault there was no ability to find any enhancement as to it being a potential hate crime i guess that um determination um rubbed the attorney general the wrong way uh the ag's office i think it put an extraordinary amount of time pushing this case uh, really pushing this case uh to try to make a point um they pushed they made their they try to make their point they lost Nerona groused in the in the in the press and uh, excuse me on his social media first which made its way to the press that um you know, some judges only sit on trying cases uh, you know, without a jury, and isn't it a coincidence? Nora's real point was that in Rhode Island, maybe the law should be changed so that it's not the defendant's choice whether to have a jury or not. Um, in the federal system, the defendant does not get that choice. In the state system, 
the defendant does get the choice to have a jury or to have the trial done by a judge sitting without a jury. So Narona's real issue is with the legislature, not this particular judge, but he kind of made it personal, implying that this judge only tries, you know, uh, jury wave cases and maybe he's too lenient. In my experience, nothing could be further from the truth. I think Judge Procasini gives everyone a good trial. Whether you win, whether you lose, you walk out of the room saying, I got a fair shake from this judge. He let me try my case. He's very thoughtful. He considers everything. He knows the law. And he's gutsy. He'll make a determination which might get him some adverse publicity and some grousing by members of the public or the media or the attorney general's department or sometimes from the public defender's office. But he calls them as he sees them. So he calls Marona in for this um, hearing. Marona begs off saying, I've got COVID symptoms. The judge says, okay, the hearing's canceled, but I'm filing a complaint with disciplinary counsel. I believe that you have um, committed attorney misconduct, and I believe that you have violated approximately five rules of professional conduct. <clears throat> so this now becomes a matter which lies in the hands of Rhode Island's disciplinary counsel, uh, disciplinary counsel is sort of an arm of the renowned Supreme Court. Uh, disciplinary counsel investigates allegations of attorney misconduct. And if the investigation um, results in a determination by uh, disciplinary counsel that there has been attorney misconduct, the case can be then referred to, um, uh, there's, a, there's a committee um, of attorneys who considers whether there's attorney, been attorney misconduct, and the matter can ultimately wind up before the renowned Supreme Court for consideration of appropriate sanctions. So there's a multiple-step process that any complaint of attorney misconduct um, goes through. Um, will the disciplinary counsel find that Nerona has um, violated the code of professional conduct in the manner that Judge Procassini has put forth. That's yet to be determined. Nerona says, well, this is a First Amendment case. You know, uh, my ability to speak out on these issues should not be undermined. No one's questioning that he has the right to free speech, but that speech has certain consequences. One of the rules of professional conduct is you know, lawyers are not supposed to speak out in a way to impugn the judicial system or to impugn any particular judge. Now, Peter Nerona did not mention Judge Procassini by name when he was grousing about the outcome of that case, but obviously, you know, Anyone who knows what's going on knows that he was referring to Judge Procassini. So now the case will sort of <clears throat> go into this black hole where an investigation is done by disciplinary counsel. Could take days, could take weeks, could take months uh, before a determination is made. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure that the disciplinary counsel is going to have any real appetite to um, do much with this case in terms of um, uh, censuring or otherwise reprimanding Peter Arona for the statements that he has made. Um, you know, it's not like an ordinary garden variety attorney has had a complaint filed against him or her. You know, this is the state's attorney general. Um, the only guidance we have on these things, John, is, oh, I think it was in about 2006, then uh, Attorney General uh, Patrick Lynch was reprimanded by um, a judge of the Superior Court because Patrick Lynch had made statements which the judge took umbrage at, made a similar, no, actually didn't make a complaint, the disciplinary counsel sanctioned the Attorney General who then appealed the sanction to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court found that, although maybe his words were a little bit impertinent, found that a sanction imposed against um, Attorney General um, 
Patrick Lynch was not warranted. I, I would expect this case would have a similar trajectory. Um, Peter Rona was never sanctioned. Um, and I don't think that his conduct will result in any particularly um, meaningful um, sanction being uh, administered by disciplinary counsel or the Supreme Court. They, they might caution him to be more cautious and more prudent in the use of language, but I, I don't think anything much more than that's going to happen. But um, on the flip side, I do think Judge Procassini is right. Folks, quick break. Much more hit our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, right here on The John DePietro Show. Do you need a good plumber? I found the best plumber, JMB Plumbing. Call them today, all your plumbing needs, 401 743 9153. JMB Plumbing. They've been providing plumbing services for years. Skilled professionals stand behind their work. Guarantee you will be happy. Maybe it's repairing damaged water pipes, repair clogged pipelines, maybe replace a, a water heater, as well as all your plumbing needs. Call them now. It's JMB Plumbing, 401 743 9153. Nothing throws off your life or your home or your business. When you need plumbing service, you need someone reliable, someone who's professional, someone who'll handle the job and do it right. It's JMB Plumbing. Call them today. 401-743-9153, JMB Plumbing, and look for them on Facebook. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Joining us right now, he is a columnist with the Boston Globe. It is Dan McGowan. And Dan, not only uh, was that quite the column that you wrote about Governor McKee, first time I've heard of Rhode Island governor compared to Bart Simpson. It was right on the money. I'm always then curious to hear the reaction you got after the column was published. Well, uh, you know, this is one of those ones where uh, I suppose it's easy to pile on. Uh, and so, you know, the overwhelming reaction yesterday from, uh, you know, people across, surprising people across government was, thank you for writing, you know, for that, need, that needed to be said. I mean, a, a, a governor uh, in, in a situation like this, uh, you know, a governor needs to be at a press conference and reassuring people and, and, and that kind of thing wasn't there, uh, specifically from the let governor's me, Let me interject just for a moment, Dan. Do you think, I think your column impacted how the McKee, I asked the question wrong. I think the governor's people and himself reacted as a result of your column from yesterday. Well, it's funny you say that because where I was going to go with what I was about to say was just, you know, on one hand, uh, you know, the governor tends to write off all criticism the same, right? He tends to, uh, I think he largely, he sees it, believe me, he reads it and sees it. Uh, and then holds a grudge and thinks, "Oh, you just don't like me, right?" I should just be clear. I don't. I don't. I don't know why I feel the need to say this. I have no personal opinion on the governor whatsoever. In fact, for years, I actually thought of him very fondly. Yep. Uh, you know, when he was a lieutenant governor. So the, there's no animosity towards no. him. So that's just put that aside. Um, so you know, they don't call to. It, it, it's very different than. Uh, I think Governor Chafee and Governor uh, Raimondo's people, and then you know all the mayors that I've ever dealt with in Providence, you know, are can, can be very nitpicky over everything you write. They call, they want to, you know, they want to push, you know, they want to argue balls and strikes with you, uh, which is a healthy part of what happens. You know this, you've done it forever. Uh, this is never the case with the governors. They they just don't respond to you. Uh, you know, I, in fact, I, I try not to abuse this, but. On Monday night, I put it in the column. On Monday night, I reached out directly to the governor. I texted him and said, "Hey, Gov, why weren't you at the press conference? Because you know, you also never know. Is there is there possible? You know, is there a family situation or something going on? You don't want to jump out and say, oh, the governor's, you know, the governor was a no show, and then find out, oh, yeah, health problem or, or, or something like that. Right. You know, you'd feel you'd feel a little bit bad. Got no response until you know 11:30 p.m where you know no no questions were answered from the you know the press office but uh again to your point 
they read the column because then yesterday I feel like they they essentially did everything I suggested they do. Yes. Uh, none of which, by the way, it's not like it was brilliant. Uh, get on the phone with the Secretary of Transportation is not, uh, you know, I'm not the first person in the history of the world to come up with that idea. But I thought the way that they rolled out their press conference yesterday, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they very clearly, uh, you know, were, were in some ways reacting to, you know, what they knew the narrative was, especially yesterday morning, which was, where was the governor? You know, we're hearing a lot from Peter Alvidi, uh, who's done, a re- you know, generally, I think, a good job in responding to everything, whether or not, you know, we'll find out, I think, in the coming weeks and months you know, how much they knew and, and that sort of thing. But but to his credit, he's been out front and answered every question you needed. But again, you need a governor there. You need that person, yes. you know, the, the person we elected to, uh, to, to be out there. Dan McGowan, in real time, just so people are clear, he sent Alvidi out alone Monday, Monday night. Uh, everyone got the notice on their phone. And when they put out the governor's schedule for Tuesday, there was nothing about a press conference. So right. in real time... His reaction was, I, I don't know what their plan was, but I, I'm curious what you're hearing as we're going to learn more. First of all, I think you map out about the December debacle. This is so much more severe. I, I think this could end up, this is, it's incredible the domino effect it's having around the state right now. I mean, you can't cross, obviously, you, you know, you're not, you can't, you literally can't cross the bridge from the East Bay side, but I mean, what if you are anywhere uh, going that direction? Uh, you know, you including working in Providence, you are affected tremendously. I mean, you know, we're still seeing today day two of this kind of in terms of the traffic situation of it all. Uh, you know, people taking an hour and a half, two hours to get to work on a normal, you know, twenty minute commute, maybe less than twenty minutes. Uh, you know, I, I, and no sign, at least in the initial couple of weeks, I think, uh, no sign of kind of relief on that front. Now, you know, I suppose the good news is you get a little bit of relief over a holiday break. You know, people out of work, things like that. You, you got to assume employers are going to probably, uh, for, for people who can do this, are going to allow, you know, a little bit more work from home, things like that. But... I mean, this is a tremendous economic, uh, you know, challenge for this for the state. It, you know, I'm glad that they're able to get uh, they've been able to kind of figure out the emergency vehicle because that was a catastrophe. And I think that this goes back to you know one of the reasons I felt the need to very immediately write the the column that I wrote. And it was harsh on the governor. Was I was hearing from not just people who don't like the governor. But, you know, from people in the in the healthcare world, people yeah. uh, in, in the education space, certainly people in Providence who are saying, we, we are not getting any direction whatsoever here. Um, and, and I think that I think that to, to the credit of the administration yesterday was a better day than the night before. But there are still a lot of questions to be asked. And there's this is going to be an inconvenience for a really long time, it appears. Dan McGowan, I also, I like that you called out in the column, he didn't even pick up the phone and call the mayor of East Providence, Bob De, you know, De Silva. He had Liz Tanner do that from Commerce. Stunning, John. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I thought, they, and similarly, by the way, with, with the mayor of Providence, who uh, they're, they're, now they're having press conferences, the governor's having press conferences with both, uh, separate press conferences with both Mayor De Silva and Mayor Smiley today. As of yesterday afternoon, he still hadn't talked one-on-one with the mayor of Providence. Wow. Uh, and, and, and I think about that. I mean, John, you, you know, I was only here for part of this, but you were here for the last time we had truly combative relationship between Governor Kachiri and Mayor Cicilline. Yes. Can you imagine in, in, in a similar event, Governor Kachiri not calling Mayor Cicilline to say, hey, like, let's get on the same page here. Um, I, I, I just knowing the gov- knowing the former governor a little bit and knowing the mayor uh, a, a great deal, the former mayor a great deal. I can't imagine them not being able to at least talk and figure things out and, and you know go over logistics. Um, yeah, that was that was completely stunning to me. And by the way, it's not just a courtesy call. You literally need to talk about hey. This is what you know. This is what's going to cost me if you're the mayor, you know, of Providence. If you're the mayor of East Providence, 
Um, and, and, you know, we're going to get a lot. That's going to be the next phase of this for the cities and towns is how much this potentially, uh, you know, is going to cost in police overtime and things like that. And, you know, getting a reimbursement is, is going to be, I think, a top priority for both these Providence and Providence. It's Christmas time at PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Christmas season is underway. Fraser fir trees, 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown, Rhode Island's number one garden center. Potted live trees, custom handmade wreaths, 10 inch to even 60 inches in sizes. Think how, think how great that would look outside your business. They have Christmas swag, mistletoe, hanging baskets, roping, cut greens, decorative pots, cemetery baskets, Christmas crafts, gift certificates are available at PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Look for them on Facebook. Florist quality poinsettias. They also have custom-made sleds from a local artist. Firewood is available. Pick up a delivery. They're open every single day now right through Christmas Eve. Look for them on Facebook. It's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center this Christmas season. Stop it and see them. It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Stop it and see Marie, that historic white church. Shop local, inside, all quality products, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies. They understand quality, integrity, it's my health. It's all about your health. Local products. I say honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. You know, they carry over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas, hemp and CBD products, and much more natural skincare products. Stop it in see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. It's all about health for you, for your family. There's vitamins for children, all different types of teas, all different types of spices. Boy, what a difference it'll make. Shop local. Stop it and see the queen of health. It's Marie. And it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Right in that historic white church. It's all about health. It's all about your health. And it's my health. 